We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Colm Kelly here, the executive producer of the Road of His Radio Podcast Network and co-host of the Road of His Overtime Podcast, along with the phenomenal Sean Siegel. The wait is over, the NFL season is here, and there's no better time than the present to sign up for a Road of His NFL Pass. You'll get access to all of our content, all of our tools, and everything you need to help you for that in-season success. As a loyal podcast listener, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL Pass just by adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. Let's go get those championships. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Race attack, watch out! Burst of speed! Look at this freshman! Welcome to the home of professional football, Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May, and you can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. And I am not joined by uh, my co-host, Stefan Leco, uh, this week because he is actually a, a little bit under the weather right now. I think uh, still sick at the moment. So I'm going to be flying solo on this special episode, but if you're joining us for the first time, the College to Canton podcast is a show about the journey of the best football players in the world from their journey as college recruits uh, throughout their college process and and NFL draft process all the way through the NFL and all the way to debates as to who should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And we always talk about some fantasy football stuff since this is a Rotoviz radio podcast, but we always make sure to dive into some real college football and NFL analysis too. This, this past week, I know there's been a lot going on in the NFL with all the COVID cases going on, games getting pushed back, and uh, college football is kind of in this in-between mode where we're not really to any of these super interesting bowl games just yet, but we are at this interesting time of year for college football recruiting. And I, I know we don't spend a whole lot of time on the College to Canton podcast uh, talking about recruiting, but we, you know, we always even, I don't know how long you've been listening to the show, but we always kick things off and, and introduce what the show is all about. And we mentioned talking about recruiting, but we don't do it too often. But if we're going to do it, we might as well take some time to do that uh, during the early signing period for college football recruiting. And I don't know if you pay attention to recruiting much at all, but it does help tell the future uh, as to whether players are going to get drafted, uh, whether their teams are going to find success at the college level, uh, whether they're going to succeed in the NFL. And I know it it seems weird to think that, you know, a a player's grade coming out of high school would have much impact on their NFL future. 
uh, but it does. And uh, and I'll, I'll jump into that a little bit on this episode uh, as we discuss recruiting, something we don't typically talk about too much on the show, but I do want to dive into it because it has way more of an impact than I think we give it credit for. And yes, two-star players hit, and yes, no-star players hit and, and see success in the NFL. I'm not saying that that's impossible. I'm just saying that it is much more likely that if you are a four-star, five-star recruit, that you are going to have NFL success than the other way around. And so this week will be our college football recruiting special. And just to, to kick things off, though, right away, uh, I know... Uh, the biggest news of note, a lot of people know who this guy's name is now, but Travis Hunter did flip from Florida State to Jackson State in the FCS with uh, Deion Sanders as the head coach now. Uh, Jackson State's been doing really great things. They were 11-1 heading into their bowl game. Uh, they've been you know, averaging over 40,000 fans in the stands, which is an un- unbelievable for FCS level of play. Uh, so it's not like it's, it's just a, a podunk school that's doing nothing in, in football. But it is weird that somebody the, who is the number one recruit in the country, and Travis Hunter, who is basically a two-way player, a cornerback and wide receiver, ranked number one in the entire nation, according to these 24-7 sports composite, would flip and go to Jackson State. But it turns out he had a pretty sweet NIL deal. I believe it's uh, seven figures there. Uh, to, to get that worked out. So that's going to be a great <laughs> opportunity for Travis Hunter to uh, find success uh, immediately and get paid immediately. Uh, you know, who knows what ends up happening, whether he stays at Jackson State long term or transfers out with the one time transfer rule. But that was the biggest news of note, obviously, uh, that you have probably heard already uh, coming off of the early signing day, a national early signing day that was Wednesday, uh, December 15th. Uh, that's when most of the, the big names signed, and, and, and really at this point, about 80% of recruits, uh, especially the top-tier recruits. But I, I just mentioned it in passing, but it, it really does mean a lot when you come out of high school. Uh, if you have a five-star uh, pedigree uh, for you, or four-star pedigree. And, I, and I'll break that down as to how it translates to the NFL here now. I won't dive into all of the how that translates to fantasy points and the in the linear relationship between a player's pedigree in high school and and direct relation to their fantasy point production because there are so many things that happen in between high school and uh, you know year eight of their NFL career that I'm not going to try to draw any lines there that far out for you. But really, the biggest independent variable that we have in, in helping us project future NFL success, like from, from taking that leap from college football to the NFL, uh, the most important thing is draft capital, like where a player gets selected in the NFL draft. Most players that get first round capital succeed at a much higher rate than undrafted free agents or even day three players. We see that at running back, wide receiver, tight end, quarterback, every single position. So I don't, I don't think I have to convince you of that. I think most people, if you're listening to a show like this one, you already know that draft capital matters when it comes to predicting NFL success. And really, even when it comes to predicting fantasy football points, like the R-squared value, the, the statistical linear relationship there is huge between a player's draft capital and their fantasy football output. So with that kind of being the baseline for what I'm about to say, I don't know if you guys follow me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis but back in May, I released a huge research project, a, a bunch of information uh, dating back to 2002 on every single recruit that has ever gotten any kind of rating uh, from three-star, four-star, five-star uh, since 2002, like thousands and thousands of players. 
uh, and looked at their hit rates, where they were drafted, what school they came out, out of, and, and basically just tried to figure out what it really meant for somebody ha- to have a top-tier pedigree next to their name coming out of high school and translating into the, into the NFL. So what I found uh, was quite interesting. So first off, up top, uh, if you look back from 20 to, basically 2002 till now, and, and you include every single player that's been rated, uh, I kind of split these players up into different chunks, right? Like every class has about 34 to 39 five stars in it. But the players like in the top 25 or so, uh, typically I found had a better hit rate for the NFL. And so I thought, you know, what if I just broke, you know, every class up into chunks of 25 players, like players ranked first to 25th, players ranked 26th to 50th, 51st to 75th, and so on and so forth, all the way down to like the around 800. Because if I keep going and going and going, you got to cut it off somewhere. And what I found is that 58% of five-star rated, rated players that were ranked in between 1st and 25th in their class since 2002, 58%, about 3 in 5, got drafted. And that doesn't sound like it's, it's great numbers. Uh, and it doesn't sound very good at all when I say that 20%, only 20% in that group uh, have gone in the first round. And that might not sound like crazy, but that's actually three times uh, the drafted rate of any recruiting cohort ranked outside the top 125 in their class, three times as likely to get drafted. Uh, and if you're ranked in the top 25 in your class, then anyone ranked outside the top 125 in their given recruiting class, three times. Uh, and that's the, and that's the nicest uh, number you, you could find uh, for players outside the top 125. It's actually, if you go very far down at all, it gets really bad. It's like 1%, 2%, 3%, especially if you get outside the, the top 800 or so. Yes, there are players that don't have really good recruiting profiles that do get drafted and do have success in every single draft draft cycle and every time that there's some player that finds some success that hasn't been drafted, you know, the, the, the talking heads like to highlight that because it's a cool story. But they talk about it because it's not common. And actually, in, in recent years, it's become less and less and less common because in the information age, like the players that are good enough to get rated highly, they can get their tape in front of the right eyes. They, they, they can get their, their huddle stuff in front of the right people um, and they can figure out how to get rated highly. There's all these different camps and most of the kids that are good enough have been in camps for, for high school football and even middle school football, you know, from age 12 on. These, these guys are being recruited to play in, in college. And so what we found is since 2012, and it's, it's jumped from about around 58% uh, of those five stars ranked in the top 25 in their given class. It's actually jumped all the way to 70% or so of players ranked in the top 25 of their class have been drafted since 2012. And 25% instead of 20%, 25% see a first round draft, draft capital. Now I will say the kind of quote-unquote okay range of recruiting pedigree has been extended a bit. Like I, I mentioned the top 125 in their class being about three times less likely to get drafted than the top 25. That same level of probability uh, has been extended to about the top 225 if you narrow it down to just like the most recent classes that have been drafted. You know, like since 2012 to the most recent ones like 2016, 2017 that have seen their players actually age out of college and get draft capital. But things absolutely get gross, uh, you know, for players really, really outside of players ranked in, in, inside the top 50 in their class. Uh, nearly 
In fact, in fact, nearly 40% of first-round picks since 2012 have been ranked inside the top 50 in their class. I'll say that again. Nearly 40% of first-round picks since 2012 have been ranked inside the top 50 in their given recruiting class. That's just bonkers when you think about the fact that there are around a quarter million graduating football playing seniors in each recruiting class. And, uh, you know, basically if you're in the top 50, you're taking up 40% of the slots. So like to put it in another way, like the top 0.02% of any given recruiting class accounts for 40% of, of first round picks. That's like, if we were just to assume that recruiting meant absolutely nothing and every player was rated equally in terms of their chances of being drafted, players ranked in the top 50 would be 2,000 times more likely than any other cohort to, to see that kind of capital. It's truly ridiculous. Um, and I could break down a whole bunch of more num- numbers and you know make you guys take out your pen and paper to, to make you guys believe that recruiting matters. But if you guys have any more questions on the math behind proving that recruiting pedigree matters, please do come find me at FF underscore Travis M. It really is uh, super impactful in, in, in predicting uh, NFL draft capital at the very least. Uh, after that, you know, we, we see some top tier uh, <laughs> prospects, even that get capital bust after they make it to the NFL. But as far as the best way to predict uh, NFL future success from the high school level, the best way I've found to do it is through draft capital. But what does that mean for the upcoming classes? Like, well, who are some names that we should be looking at? Uh, you know, even in the last couple episodes, we've highlighted some guys that are going to help their stock throughout draft, draft season and bowl season, senior bowl season, all this stuff. So who are some guys upcoming that have that five-star pedigree, that have that four-star pedigree, or that, you know, are maybe a little bit further down the line, they didn't have the the top-tier pedigree, but they still could hit, they still could see top-tier draft capital. Well, that's why I'm here. I'm going to dive into it right now, talking through some of the 2022 guys here for you. So up top, one thing I will say is that this this quarterback group doesn't have a bunch of pedigree actually attached to their names. Like, yes... Matt Corral of Ole Miss and Sam Howell of North Carolina. Those guys were four-star guys, but there are actually no real five-stars that are probably going to see top-tier draft capital this year. Uh, so it, it's it's not every year is like this, though. Like just a year ago or this past season, we saw Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, who were the one and two in their given recruiting class, see first-round capital. And we knew for forever that they were going to get drafted early. And yes, there were guys like Zach, like Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, uh, Trey, Trey Lance that didn't have the pedigree. Every single class has a different mix of quarterbacks, but it is interesting that there's no five stars in this group at quarterback. But Matt Corral, Sam Howell, four stars. But then we got Kenny Pickett, and who uh, was a three-star. Desmond Ritter of Cincinnati. And Malik Willis, again, three-star. Uh, not a hugely uh, you know popular name in recruiting, but he was actually a top 400 overall player in his class, which is still rated really high. Basically a fringe three, four-star type player. So all the top names that are probably going to get drafted super early had some sort of recruiting pedigree attached to their name, at least three stars. I mean, Carson Strong could sneak up into that mix, but I think there are some medical medical concerns that might keep him out, uh, not to mention the uh, lack of any rushing ability that I won't get into now. And the fact that he played absolutely no one at Nevada. But 
But yeah, you know, th- those top five quarterbacks all had at least three-star pedigree. Two of them had four stars. But if you look at some of the, the other four-star names, you, you look and see there's so many of the top options that we're probably going to be taking in rookie drafts na- next year that were at least four-star uh, running backs, four-star wide receivers like Brees Hall, four-star, Isaiah Spiller, four-star, and of course, Brees Hall, Iowa State, Iowa, uh, Isaiah Spiller, Texas A&M, Traylon Burks, 6'3", 230-pound monster from Arkansas, four-star wide receiver. Jamison Williams, even though he's only really done anything in, in college for one year, he was actually a four-star wide receiver going into Ohio State before he transferred to Alabama. Drake London, USC, four-star. Kyron Williams, Notre Dame, four-star. Zach Charbonnet, originally with Michigan, transferred to UCLA, was a four-star. Even Jerome Ford, who is now with Cincinnati, was actually originally a four-star playing for Alabama uh, before he transferred to the Bearcats. Uh, so, I mean, I, I could go on and on and on. There's there's several players in this class that, that were at least four stars, not to mention a Garrett Wilson up at the top who was actually a five-star wide receiver and might actually be the first wide receiver taken in the NFL draft. And, and there are a couple other maybes that could, could see some capital depending on if they even uh, declare this year at the running back position. Zamir White... Uh, in his particular class, you know, he's seen some injuries, uh, but he was actually a five star, like the running back one in his class. He could he could get drafted this year. Jerry and Ely, uh, a lot of people uh, aren't super high on him just because of his weight and his size, but he was actually one of the highest graded runners by most services this year, including PFF. Uh, and and I I've, I think he's been a name in Debbie circles for quite some time that uh, some have been excited about. Uh, he never gained an, an, enough weight to to think he could probably be a feature back, but He's you know he's he's around five eight one ninety something at this point and could see some draft capital should he choose to declare, but uh, you know outside of the four and five star guys, it, there's really not a whole lot of guys uh, in this class I mean, prospects in this class that uh, for twenty twenty two that didn't have at least four or five star you know pedigree. I mean there's Kenneth Walker who is probably the best example of a guy who missed on the four-star top-tier pedigree that is probably going to get drafted pretty early. Most people at this point believe he's going to be a round two or better type of player. But beyond that, like there's maybe Hassan Haskins, uh, maybe Zay Flowers, uh, you know, for Boston College, that is wide receiver, Calvin Austin for Memphis. There's, I mean, like even Javon Hiley for Coastal Carolina. There's a bunch of guys that are probably going to get drafted somewhere uh, but aren't probably going to get elite top tier NFL draft capital uh, that you know fall in the outside of uh, you know the four and five star uh, pedigree tier in this class. And so, I mean, this is we see this every single year. Like most classes, uh, in fact, m- most early rounds are made up of four star players, like four star guys all over the place, uh, and five star guys all over the place. And we do see plenty of three stars, but that's because. There's like 10 times as many three stars as there is four stars. And there's like 20, 30, 40 times as many three stars as there are five stars because there's just not that many players that are rated that highly uh, in any given class. But it's just funny, like every single year we see all the top names uh, that were like if you if you go back in any recruiting class from years past, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I, I remember that name. He got drafted. He had a pretty decent NFL career um, and 2022 looks like it's no exception. And, but just looking ahead to a couple other classes that have some top-tier names with some crazy pedigree attached to them. Bryce Young, you know, the guy who just won the Heisman. He was a five-star quarterback. Kayshawn Boutte, maybe the consensus wide receiver one for 2023. 
Uh, he was a, a five star. Jackson Smith and Jigba, the crazy most productive Ohio, St- most productive Ohio State wide receiver this year. Jackson Smith and Jigba was a five star wide receiver. Bijan Robinson, stud running back over at Texas. A lot of people think he's going to be the running back one in 2023. Oh, look, n- another five star. Zach Evans, TCU transferring out there, going to who knows where. But he was, again, five-star. Rakeem Jarrett from Maryland. A lot of people like him. Five-star. Uh, we go down the list, and, and we get into C.J. Stroud for Ohio State quarterback. Josh Downs, North Carolina. Jordan Addison, Pitt. Tank Bigsby, Auburn. Uh, well, he almost transferred out. Jameer Gibbs is transferring from Georgia Georgia Tech. He was a, f- a four-star player. Quentin Johnston, TCU wide receiver. He's a four-star player. Marvin Mims, Blake Corn, Devonna Shane, Parker Washington. I could go on and on about players who are highly rated prospects that we already believe that will be drafted highly in 2023. And we could do this every single year. Yes, there are, again, for 2023, there are a few exceptions, like Sean Tucker for Syracuse, who's like a 2,000-yard rushing-type monster. Deuce Vaughn, like 5-5-ish, five, five you know, kind of crazy, all do-it-all weapon for Kansas State. Uh, you know, he's probably going to get drafted somewhere, but maybe not super highly. He was a three-star guy. Uh, Konata Mumpfield, who was uh, an Akron wide receiver, and he's likely transferring now. He was a three three stars type talent, and he was immensely productive uh, out of the gate this past season. Uh, and so there are exceptions, yes, but every single class, it's crazy. You go down the line, down the line in any given draft class, and you'll see every single year recruiting matters. Capital and and recruiting pedigree are highly related like even just this past year like true freshmen that were immensely productive out of the gate right away Caleb Williams for Oklahoma five-star quarterback Trevion Henderson the best running back in the nation maybe already as a true freshman Uh, he was a five-star for Ohio State Will Shipley was the only good thing that Clemson had on offense (laughs) the running back there he was a five-star JJ McCarthy quarterback probably going to be the future at Michigan uh, he came in and, and had had some decent plays this year. He was a five-star. And then, of course, my dude, I, I can't stop talking about him on this show, Xavier Worthy, uh, the guy who caught a dozen touchdowns, a thousand receiving yards as a true freshman. He was a four-star guy, and he was rated just barely inside the top 70 in his class. Uh, but we should have seen him coming. Like, we would have we would have known uh, had people properly rated him coming in uh, in terms of Debbie Fantasy Football Leagues that, yes, this was a no-brainer. He had crazy track speed. He had all the opportunity at Texas. Like, we should have seen Xavier Worthy coming, given that he was a top 100-type player. But even Braylon Allen, Wisconsin, he was at a different position, but he was a four-star player. He was a linebacker converted to running back for Wisconsin. Mario Williams, four-star wide receiver. Raheem Rocket Sanders, four-star running back. Jackson Betch and uh, or Beck and Bo Collins, uh, four-star wide receivers. Uh, again, uh, all these guys that have that pedigree see snaps early in college, and then they get drafted because of it. Uh, every single year, we see this time and time again. So back to this early signing period, because there are a bunch of guys who just signed, a bunch of guys that we're going to get excited if you play Debbie Fantasy Football Leagues, if you root for a particular college football team. You're going to get excited about a few of these players down the stretch here very soon. Uh, And on the other side, I'll get into some of those names. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So first off, before I jump into uh, you know all these top players that I like and top tier uh, pedigree type recruits at the running back, wide receiver, tight end, and uh, quarterback positions that that I like and I think will have success. Uh, I do want to just mention that there has been some said about you know top rated quarterbacks uh, busting at a really high rate. In fact, if you look at just quarterbacks only and zoom into just that position, um, it does look that it does look like they bust. But when compared to virtually any other position, most every position. Uh, quarterbacks actually don't bust more often that are rated highly. And, and I'll, I'll explain. Because every position is frankly likely to bust just because the math is absurd for anyone to make it. Uh, and it is true that QBs do bust, like the top tier, like five-star quarterbacks, like top 50 guys, especially outside that range, do bust at about a, a 2% uh, higher rate or so than running backs and wide receivers. But it's we're talking about like 2% you know, like a large sample. It's very, very minimal in terms of actually missing out on draft capital at all. Uh, but I, I know that we like quarterbacks, especially in, in terms of predicting NFL futures, to have first-round capital. Um, and, th- and that's the problem. I think the bar that we set for the quarterback position, in terms of being a bust um, and, and projecting NFL success, like they need, they absolutely really, really need first-round capital uh, for us to think that they'll really ever have a shot. I mean, there are exceptions, but... I don't want to go through all the math there, but it really matters. And so the bar just is set higher from the get-go for quarterbacks. So we think that they bust at a higher rate, uh, higher rate than other positions, but the math truly just does not support that. Uh, however, t- tight ends actually, highly rated tight ends do hit at a, a in terms of being drafted uh, a little bit higher. And in any given class, they'll, they'll see you know about five to ten percent more of the time that they'll get drafted. Um, 
more often than running backs or wide receivers, about five to 10% more than running backs or wide receivers. And especially if they get, uh, you know, a ranking inside the top 125 or so. So tight ends are, that are five stars, especially hit at a high rate. But if you, you know, you're a top rated four star, top 100, top 125, like Brock Bowers this past year for Georgia, he was in that top 20, top 125 range, especially that range and on. Uh, those guys do see draft capital uh, quite a bit more often than other positions, especially for like the fantasy football positions. But with that said, just a few players to keep uh, in, the, in your back pocket names to make a note of. I know you can just look at the recruiting services and check some of these guys out, but I just want to dive briefly into a couple of these. I mentioned a few of them before. I mentioned Travis Hunter up at the top, flipped from Florida State to Jackson State. Nearly 4,000 receiving yards uh, as a wide receiver uh, and also was the best cornerback in the class. So he could be a wide receiver. And if he was a wide receiver, he might be the wide receiver one in the class. Uh, but he likely is going to go uh, and play cornerback at the next level and mostly do that at Jackson State. At least that's the understanding uh, and the branding, I guess, uh, as it is uh, today. Uh, even, if he, even if he was an athlete designation, most of the time the athlete designation recruits actually flip to uh, defensive back rather than going to offense. So that's probably what he's going to stick with. Uh, Emmanuel Henderson, I mentioned him before. I actually drafted him in a uh, kind of like a, a future Debbie draft that Stefan and I did together. And I did so because he's an Alabama running back, but he's also been basically this, the surefire running back one uh, rated by the recruiting services ever since he was a true freshman years ago. Like he, he opened up his high school career with like 2000 plus yards already looked like a college running back as, as a true, like as a sophomore in high school. And so he's just kind of coasted. Like he already knew he was going to Bama like two years ago. And uh, he, he's just going to get drafted. Like, I, I don't know if you guys have done the math when it comes to running backs going to Alabama and especially ones that have incredibly high pedigree going to Alabama, those guys get drafted essentially always. And they typically do fairly early, especially inside day two and sometimes inside of day one. So Emmanuel Henderson running back Alabama, there was no suspense as to where he was going to go. He was signed for a very long time. Uh, we did see some people flip though. So I think there was, there was a little bit of concern with a few of these names, but Emmanuel Henderson was not one of them. Luther Burden, uh, Missouri. I think that anytime a player has committed to Missouri and they are a top five or 10 prospect in the entire nation, there's a little bit of worry that he's going to flip. Uh, but he didn't. He chose to stay home. He's actually from East St. Louis, Illinois, across the river from St. Louis. So still kind of staying home, like right there uh, near Missouri. And Evan Stewart, Texas A&M, a five-star guy. Uh, he, there was not really a ton of suspense as to where he was going to go. Uh, there was maybe a few weeks ago, but he ended up going with Texas A&M. But both of those guys, I will say, I am probably going to be fading uh, fading them given what they will cost to acquire in Debbie uh, leagues and in college to Canton leagues uh, for fantasy football purposes just because they are rated so highly. They're like their top five, top ten overall talents uh, in the entire country. Um, and, and the reason being... Uh, Missouri and and even recently Texas A&M um, have not been known schematically or just draft capital wise uh, known to get their guys to the pros. Um, I will say, given the transfer rules, I would actually bet, bet that Luther Burden ends up transferring if things don't go well at Missouri after year one or year two. Uh, we, we see players do that more often than, than not these days. Uh, Evan Stewart, though, 
Um, he might stick with Texas A&M too long, like we're seeing a couple of their guys like DeMond DeMoss do right now and then end up missing out on capital. Uh, but Texas A&M, uh, they just do an amazing job of wasting some of the best wide receivers in the entire country every single year. And uh, I really hate that for Evan Stewart because they really need to figure it out and get him some touches because he's one of the best wide receivers that we've seen come into high school football as far as recruit goes. Uh, I think, it, I don't know, the past four or five years. And it, had he not gone to Texas A&M, he would clearly be my wide receiver one in the class. But I'm just going to probably have to fade both of those guys because of the landing spot and uh, what it's probably going to do to their eventual projected draft stock. Uh, and I, that's probably a whole different podcast talking about hit rates coming out of different schools. Um, <laughs> that, that, yeah, I'm not even going to touch that right now. But Malachi Starks is an athlete designation right now. And I mentioned that athlete designations typically don't stick with offense uh, dating back to like 2002. Oftentimes they're mostly defensive backs. But Malachi Starks has the speed to be a defensive back. He could play safety, he could play corner, but he's uh, big enough and uh, positional, like his, his positional experience is enough that I think he's probably going to go with linebacker for Georgia. But if he doesn't, uh, and he goes offensive, he, he could go running back or he could go wide receiver. He had some experience at both, especially running back. And if he does, Malachi Starks, he might be the, the best athlete in this entire class. So wherever he pl- lines up, wherever he plays, he's going to have immense success. So if he goes offense... Malachi Starks probably leaps up to my number one player in this entire class. Uh, But because of the uh, confusion with his positional designation and how he's actually going to be used at Georgia, Malachi Starks actually has to kind of almost stay off the board because he looks like he's going defense right now. But, you know, if you guys play in super flex leagues or you like quarterbacks and you like arguing over which ones are better, this class is a great one because it has Cade Klubnick, Clemson, Connor Wagaman, Texas A&M. Maybe he'll help the wide receivers not be wasted there. Who knows? Ty Simpson, Alabama, to come in after Bryce Young. Drew Alar at uh, Penn State, really like huge six foot six, like all the measurables, crazy arm strength. Like he's the, the I think he may have already worked his way up to the quarterback one for twenty four seven personally for them. Um, but overall, like by the composite, he's not the QB one. But he he's a little raw, but has risen up draft boards and draft boards recruiting boards here recently and could be the QB one in the class if Penn State does not ruin him (laughs) and then Walker Howard that was the guy uh, in case you missed it that was in that video with uh, Brian Kelly dancing around awkwardly with lights flashing all around him if you haven't seen that uh, and you want to just laugh at an old man trying to be cool or goofy or something I don't know what he was trying to be but Brian Kelly embarrassed himself thoroughly and probably embarrassed Walker Howard he's the five-star quarterback that he was excited about signing uh, so really, there's five quarterbacks up top that are five-star rated guys that make this one of the best classes in recent memory in terms of the rating by the recruiting services anyway. So I really like Alar. I really like Klubnik. Um, I'm really rooting for those two specifically, uh, mainly because I don't like Alabama. <laughs> but Ty Simpson would probably be my, my QB3 right now among all the quarterbacks for next year. And just a few more names to throw in your back pocket. Relic Brown moved from Oklahoma to USC. Uh, he committed there, uh, moving with Lincoln Riley because he was committed to Oklahoma, but uh, he goes back home because he is actually from California and goes to the illustrious Modern Day High School that pumps out a bunch of the best players in the entire country every single year and sends them all over the country 
to be some of the best college football players in the nation. Malik Brown, uh, really incredible talent. Uh, I think he's probably my running back, probably my running back three in this class, but but one I'm really interested in now that he's moving with Lincoln Riley to USC. They could actually have a really good running back, uh, which they haven't had in, in a few years there at USC. And then Shaz Preston, he was somebody who was on the fence uh, going into recruiting, uh, I guess, early signing day. Uh, some thought he might go LSU. Some, some thought he might go a couple other places, but he chose to go to Alabama. And given that Jamison Williams is departing, given that John Mechie might be departing, and given that all the top-rated wide receivers for Alabama that were supposed to go off this year did not really do so, um, JoJo Earl was okay in the slot. Ja'Cory Brooks looked good for one game. Shaz Preston could be that guy that flies up and ends up being the wide receiver one in this class just by default because he's an Alabama wide receiver and he could be in the best spot to take off with some early kind of breakout numbers uh, there. Shaz Preston. And then I mentioned Kevin Coleman and CJ Williams and Brendan Thompson and Taylor Shetron, all names that I'm definitely interested in. Kevin Coleman might go to Florida State. CJ Williams, it looks like he's shifting his interest back to USC. He's also from the that that modern day high school, a teammate of Relique Browns, uh, he was uh, looking at Notre Dame, but with Lincoln Riley going there, there was a little bit of hype that he, it looks like he's probably going to sign with USC. So I'm really intrigued to see uh, if there's a bunch of opportunity for targets for C.J. Williams early on in, in his career. And then Brendan Thompson, man, <laughs> he, he's committed to Texas, and big week for Texas because they got Quinn Ewers. Um, you know, he was with Ohio State, the, the five star guy that committed a year early, goes back home to Texas to play with the Longhorns. And they already have Xavier Worthy as the wide receiver one that's going to be, you know, the first wide receiver taken in the 2024 draft. Uh, that I, I am a huge fan of him. But Brennan Thompson and Xavier Worthy with Quinn Ewers, that could be one of the most high-powered, most impressive uh, receiving offenses, passing offenses in the entire country next year, thanks to Brennan Thompson and Xavier Worthy. Brennan Thompson, of course, a top 100 rated wide receiver next year. And then last name, or last couple names here, Nicholas Singleton, running back Penn State, is probably, maybe, oh, he's probably the best talent. I think he's emerging into looking like the best talent in the class. Uh, he wasn't as such a uh, no-brainer like Emmanuel Henderson at an early age, but I think he might be the best talent in the class. But He's going to Penn State, and that was great for Saquon Barkley. That was great for Miles Sanders in his last season there. But recently, Penn State has been absolutely ruining and wasting their running back position. So my concern is, does Penn State ruin Nicholas Singleton? I hope that they don't, and I hope they just give him the reins from an early age because he already deserves it. He would already be, in my opinion, the best running back in that room from day one. And then Gavin Sawchuk and Branson Robinson, two running backs uh, that could not, you know, they, they could be the guy at, at some point, but they might not be right away. Gavin Sawchuk over at Oklahoma, Branson Robinson at Georgia. Robinson is already, he's already got a feature back build around 220 pounds, really uh, big, strong back. Sawchuk, more of a, a finesse guy, but I think both of them could earn the starting role maybe by the end of their true freshman year. All of these guys, by the way, that I've, I've mentioned on this show for this incoming early signing period 2022 recruiting class were all top 100 players they're not you know crazy sneaky sleeper guys because I don't want to waste your time like these guys are probably going to be the ones that you are drafting on your fantasy teams in 
the next few years, uh, regardless of the type of fantasy format that you play. And I hope you guys enjoyed this very special recruiting special of the College of Canton podcast. I know we don't do it very often, but something that I'm passionate about, something that I follow year round because I play in all this all crazy, weird fantasy leagues. And I really love college football. I really love the story of prospects from being a recruit to the NFL, to the Hall of Fame, that whole story. That's the whole reason we even do, <laughs> I really even started this podcast was just that journey of the best players in the nation. So you can find me again on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. Please do leave a five-star review. It takes like one second. Uh, you can write something nice too. Maybe something about Stefan, maybe something about me. Uh, maybe just something, uh, leave a question in there if you want as well. Uh, but definitely helps out the show whenever you do that. But we'll be cover- covering tons of more uh, college stuff, tons more NFL here very soon, even though both seasons are coming to a conclusion here soon. We, we never stop. We are year-round. So I hope you guys have been enjoying all the football, and I, ho- I hope you enjoyed this special edition of the College to Kenton podcast. But until next time, you guys take care, and we'll see you all again here soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.